Hey everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Throwing Up Bricks, the podcast, episode 28. We're still here, we're pushing for 30, almost there. As always, I'm Jared, right over there, that's Jake. Say hi, Jake. Hey, yo. Nice. And Jerome, eighth time running, 12th time, I don't even know anymore, we've lost count. Yeah. How many times is this? Uh, 4.7 at least. 4.7 at least, yeah. All right. Well, it's good to have you back. It's good to have all of us back. And we've got a horrible game to talk about from my <laughs> perspective. But uh, probably some Nuggets fans out there that liked it. Uh, but before we get to last night's game, as we're coming to you on a Wednesday morning here, we will do our housekeeping. Jake, could you do the honors? Housekeeping. Thank you. As always, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so at throwingupbricksjj at gmail.com. That is throwingupbricksjj at gmail.com. Pod name followed by JJ. Jake, where can they find us? Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, um, TuneIn, Spotify. I think I got them all. Yeah, I think you got them all this time. You, go. you got Spotify. Which we also did. forgot my fact. Oh. Oh, yeah. God. I just said a bad word. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jake, darn. The fact. Oh, the shucks. Bleep it in post. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but it leads right into the game. So, uh, Javale McGee, <laughs> Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard had a combined four rebounds last night against the Nuggets. Wow, four. Wow. Yeah, AD was pitiful on the boards, man. That was sad to watch. Well, yeah. anyways, we'll get to that at oh, one yeah. point. So. That, Good that's fact, definitely a key point in the game or key yeah, a key, key factor rebounder. Sure. Says a lot more than Lonzo's free throw shooting for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that's all we got to do. Let's uh, let's just hop right into it, and not waste any time. Let's hit it. I went back to the double Jake. I like it better. <laughs> to each his own. Yes, that is mine. Um, all right, so let's jump into the game. The Lakers in Game Three of this series fall to the Nuggets, one hundred six to one fourteen. The Nuggets take them down. Uh, I have written on my notes what went wrong for the Lakers. I should have said what went right for the Lakers because that would be a shorter list probably. <laughs> but well, yeah, what were your guys' keys to this game? I guess what stood out to me was the turnovers at first. But then if you look at the end of the game, the turnover battle was basically even. So I don't know. What, what the Lakers so actually won the wrong turnover the battle. Lakers? They, they did, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. What stood out to you guys? Um, honestly, it's Jeremy Grant, right? It's got to be. He scored... 26 points he uh you know he he really had a, a a huge game he shot 12 free throws um you know yeah, he, was he wasn't he wasn't strictly settling for threes um he's tacking and closeouts like being really aggressive in um on fast breaks like really getting to the hole um it's actually it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh marcus smart's game three how that kind of t- uh turned the series got them a win um, where he was just kind of attacking the basket, being really aggressive rather than just sitting mm-hmm. on the three-point line. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, he's he's averaging, I think, 11 points this playoffs. And so he goes 15 points above his average. They win by, uh, you know, they win by eight. He doesn't do that. They don't win that game. Uh-huh, so right. um, so it was, it's really, it's, it's about Jeremy Grant. And that's kind of what we were talking about last podcast where, you know, because uh, e- even though the Lakers lost, LeBron and and and, uh, and AD they still canceled out in terms of pr- just strictly scoring Jokic and, and Murray. Um, they still scored more than them. Um, 
so they they did they kind of in that respect did their jobs and then it was just like we were saying the three the third fourth and fifth guys um were just i mean better for the nuggets that's kind of that's, that was the game yeah the others definitely had an impact what about you jake yeah i think i agree with most of that um uh, when i was done watching the game i only wrote down three things and it was energy defensive intensity and focus and quote unquote the other guys not the highly underrated Will Ferrell movie, just like the, <laughs> and the bench players. I just thought to start the game, the Lakers just looked flat. They looked like there were some root beer that was left out all night. They had no <laughs> pop. They, they didn't move the ball, none of that. And then on the other side, the Nuggets were totally locked in, moving, talking, uh, getting out on rotations, fast-breaking, getting layups. It was pretty embarrassing. I mean, even though the Lakers were able to, to cut into the lead and make it a close game down the stretch, it took so much energy to get there. They, they couldn't they needed to set the tone from the beginning of the game and I think the nuggets were the ones that, that started with the first punch I mean how many times in that first half did Murray or or uh one of the other guards get down on a fast break off of off a missed shot and, and get a layup I mean that can't happen in a playoff game yeah it certainly felt like there was a big disparity in energy for most of the game I'm with you there Jake um the Lakers just came out I don't want to say flat because we, we were giving effort and stuff. It's just our defense was a little bit slow to rotate uh, as opposed to like past games, right, where we've been pretty much on a string. Um, we felt a little bit slow, a little bit lackadaisical. And the Nuggets came out way more aggressive than I've seen them in, in the last few games, right? I mean, they get to the free throw line 29 times in this one, um, which is, is quite impressive. And uh, they shot well from three. They shot well from the field. Like you said, Jerome, they got big contributions from... Jeremy Grant, I thought Monte Morris was awesome too. He went five us from seven, uh, five yeah, of seven yeah, in this one. Um, gave him huge minutes off the bench. Was kind of a pest on defense too. He was a plus ten. Um, Michael Porter Jr. gave him a few, you know, a few good looks here or there. He went four for six in the field. Yeah, they just got, you know, Gary Harris hit a huge timely three late in that fourth quarter too, and that mm. that was kind of like a dagger to my heart mm-hmm. uh, in particular. And yeah, so they just got good, big contributions. And then yeah, Jeremy Grant gave him twenty six. Jokic gave him his classic twenty two, ten and five. And Murray with his career high in assists in a playoff game with twelve yeah. um, had twenty eight points, twelve assists, and eight boards. He was on triple double watch for most of the fourth quarter there. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just an all-around complete dominating game from the Nuggets. And, you know, the Lakers were down big in this one, right? We were down yeah. 18, I think, was the, the biggest lead. I think um, it was 20, actually, in the fourth. Was, oh, it was 20? I believe yeah, 20 it did actually fourth. get okay, 20 so, in the fourth. Yeah, we were down 20 in the fourth then. Um, and they furiously rallied. So I'll give the Lakers a little bit of credit for that. They they rallied back. They made this a three-point game at one point, right? A three-point yeah, game. Yeah, it was, it was, um, 90, it was 97 to 77 at the 1036 mark. And then at the 526 mark, it was 101.98. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a crazy yeah. run. It's a crazy run. And it was fueled mostly by defense, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And, lots um, of turn, yeah. they forced lots of turnovers. They got out and run and ran. And, you know, that's where LeBron James is, is, is really at his best, you know, getting out mm-hmm. in the open floor, running. Um, but and, then it seemed to yeah. me, as soon as we got within those three points, they kind of like, looked up at the score, froze, and then stopped playing that way and started playing conservative and and scared and tentative almost, right? And they 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 went away from this aggressive defense, pushing the ball up the up, up the court, flying in transition sort of style that got them back in the game and started being a little more conservative. And, yeah. and then we just lost our mojo and the Ducks yeah. took and control again. There was like this huge – because right after they tied it – or not tied it, sorry. Right after they got within three, there was like almost like a two-minute span – 
that where the score just stayed right there in 101 98 and yeah. it was just kind of back and forth uh you know great great defensive plays on both sides and then Jokic got a big steal on on a fast break that was going to be an easy two um so i just and there was a couple things that didn't quite go like uh KCP had a wide open three great shot and just didn't hit it that would have tied the game um so just just kind of little things that if maybe uh you know ball bounces a different way ball goes in um it's a different game because I think if the Lakers take the lead at some point in that fourth like mm-hmm. yeah. you know they, they they don't they they don't let that game get away um because that's a long yeah. way for them to come back and then once if if you make it so close. But then the other team starts pulling away a little bit. You kind of lose that intensity. It's like, oh, I guess that's it. Yeah, you only have so many. They were talking about on the broadcast. You only have so many pushes in you in a basketball yeah, game, yeah. right? And yeah. they, were, I think it was Weber that said the Lakers probably have two more good pushes in them. So mm-hmm. Lake, the, the Nuggets are going to have to weather that storm. And yeah. I think, sure enough, he was right. I think we, yeah. we had a little mini push in the third quarter, and then we had this gigantic one in the fourth um, that yeah. really closed the gap. I mean, if I could interject, I mean, this might be ridiculous to say comparing this to the the freak athletes in the NBA, but have you ever played a pickup game where you're down like 10 0? Oh, yeah. You got to get going and you, you make it close and it's like 13 to 14, and then you just don't have the, the for whatever it is to, to finish it off. It's the same principle. It's, it's a different mindset you have to be in to catch up in a game than to close out a game. And it's hard to get there, use, expend all that energy and then put the pieces in the right spots to finish the game off. And it's like it's like the small scale version of coming back from 3-1 uh-huh, where yeah. you know you, you had to work so hard to get back in the series but then you just didn't quite have enough to get get over the top and that yeah and just kind it of It looks like the Nuggets are immune to that cuz they've come back time and time again this <laughs> yeah, playoffs both true. in yeah. a game basis and as a series basis. So yeah. I don't know, maybe they're just built differently. The Lakers maybe did are, almost man. out Nuggets the Nuggets that game though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Couldn't quite make it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, so on a on a smaller scale, um, individual player wise, I think the Lakers did not get the contributions from Rondo and Kuzma and Morris that they're kind of used to, right? Um, and that that was also yeah. a big factor for them. I mean, Morris has just disappeared. We talked about this before the pod off air, but the Morris brothers kind of have disappeared recently, and it's not like they're playing horribly; they're just not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Like Mark or Mark Keith Morris, the guy on the Lakers, he actually is like nine for 10 of in his last 10 three pointers attempted. So he's actually stroking it. Problem is that 10 three pointer was like way back in the rocket series. Like he just hasn't been taking any shots. He only took two shots in this game. One of them, yeah. a three. He had 11 touches like, the whole game. Yeah. So it's, and then Kuzma, like he had a bit of a rough stretch there at the end of the game. Like I've, I've enjoyed Kuzma's play. Most of this playoffs, I think he's done a great job for a young guy who's this is his first experience. But mm-hmm. in this game, he had a rough stretch to end the game there. He, he had a couple turnovers. He had a couple bad force shots. He had a couple pump fakes on open threes that turned into then contested shots because yeah. he, he should have taken the first shot. Like it was kind of a rough stretch for him. And then we got bad Rondo down the stretch, you know, yeah. turnovers, misplays, you know, trying to do too much and too fancy when the moment just called for a layup, like a, a little bit too much of that going yeah. on. And he went four for 10, 0 for three from three. Trying to get that extra assist instead of just, you know, scoring the bucket. Exactly. Exactly. So. And those are all a, like classic Rondo criticisms. They are. They are. And they reared their head here. Um, yeah. And, you know, outside of LeBron and AD, like the only other two people that really scored were KCP and Kuzma with 12 and 11 points respectively. Mm -hmm. So 
everybody else was like four points, five points, two yeah. points. Yeah, no like, one else it, it's nothing really is. big. So yeah, nothing to match Jeremy Grant for sure. So yeah, yeah. What do you think? Because it, it, it seems to me that a lot of the the Laker role players are content to just stand on the perimeter and shoot threes when the ball comes. Do you think they need to, you know, kind of take a page out of the Jeremy Grant and Marcus, or not Mark, uh, Mark uh, Keith? Smart, yeah, this, yeah, Marcus Smart uh, playbook and just kind of attack the closeouts a little bit, you know, get stuff going to the basket a little bit more? Or do you think that kind of the, what they're doing is kind of working within the offense? Um, you want to take that, Jake, or do you want me? Uh, you can take it. Okay, I I think we do need to get more active. I'm always a proponent of getting more active, yeah. Jeremy Grant style, slashing, being aggressive, driving, attacking closeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem is that we don't have enough guys that are confident in doing that. Like Danny mm-hmm. Green, that's never been his game, right? Yeah, he's doing it true. more so than he's ever done it, and it's not really working to a great degree. So that's like, true. we can't really ask him to do it. KCP is a little bit better at doing that but i feel like sometimes his confidence wanes if he misses a shot like if he misses Mm -hmm. any shot he just stops playing aggressive he's very tentative in that sense um kuz will do it but he i don't know like i said sometimes he's accident prone the only two guys i feel confident in doing that right now are caruso and rondo and rondo you get bad or good rondo depending on you know the (laughs) turn of the moon and uh caruso is i mean you know if you're asking Caruso to then be your third guy to play, make and drive in the lane. That's, that's a lot from a guy that was a G league player, not that many years ago. So uh, it's a little bit of a personnel problem, right? It's always been with the Lakers, but I am a proponent of people kind of feeling outside their comfort zone and trying that because I think it has good consequences. Even when the play necessarily doesn't go well, I think, I'm with you that if you have another guy or another couple guys that are willing to drive and attack closeouts and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, that makes your offense less predictable, less stagnant overall, even if that specific play doesn't necessarily go well. Um, yeah. So, you, right. yeah, I would say that you hit on something. I think we do need to expand that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it might not be something that they can really do. It, that's the problem yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, which is where you thought Morris would actually come into effect, right? Yeah. You thought he might be a third guy that could give you a little bit of attack the basket playmaking yeah. maybe, but mm-hmm. he's kind of been non-existent. So I don't know. Yeah, um, they're, 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 they don't have a Gord, uh, Gordon Hayward coming in anytime soon. No, no, they no, do not. Yeah, I mean, not. there's a lot to fix. There's a lot of adjustments hopefully they make, but my thing I would focus on, the biggest adjustment that that puts them so far ahead of the other teams left in the bubble that they should walk to a championship is if they played the defense they played most of this playoff run. When they're yeah. on their defensive rotations, when they're aggressive, locked in, they get stops, they get rebounds, and then they get fast break points. Yeah, That's what starts the offense. Yeah, I agree. That's, yeah, I agree. That's what they did in the fourth quarter. and then they Exactly, just, yeah. They didn't do it enough, though. They didn't do it enough. They just did it in spurts mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah, defense generates um, offense for sure. And, and yeah, Like you uh, said, Jerome, they weren't locked in the whole game here. It was yeah. only in spurts. And they really – what they really have to do, it's so surprising with the size they have is they got – they got smashed on the boards, forty-four yeah, to twenty-five. Surprising. That was surprising. We got smashed on the boards. I mean, Jake said it at the beginning of the pod. Like AD had two rebounds, two, yeah. two rebounds. Dwight had one. Javale had one. Like yeah. that's four rebounds from your entire front court. Yeah. Like what the heck? Like that that can't happen. I mean, if you do that against the Nuggets, like Jokic is just going to get second opportunities. Like second opportunities are really the the name of the game yeah. in these playoffs we've seen. Like that's how the Lakers beat the Rockets. 
they just doubled them up on possessions. Like that's how the Nuggets got back into the game against the Clippers. They started getting a little bit more rebounds. You know, Michael Porter with his size was getting boards. He was getting second chance opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Like that's gonna gonna sway the series a lot. And I think the Lakers had the firm advantage in games one and, and most of game two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they certainly gave it up here. Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know how Vogel addresses it, but he's gonna have to make some changes because this scheme was not working. We went to even we even went to zone for a little bit during that stretch mm-hmm. where we caught up in the fourth quarter. Did you guys see that? And it kind of worked a little yeah. bit. Um, I don't know how much we practiced it because it didn't look as seamless as when Miami brings it out. Yeah. Right. Well, um, no, no, no one ran it more than Miami in the regular season. Right. Right. Yeah. But I think it, it was a little interesting just to disrupt the the Nuggets, and it, I think it helped. Um, so if we can get just a little few, you know, adjustments like that from Vogel going forward, I think that would help immensely because eventually yeah, our shooters will start hitting shots, I hope. Yeah, because the zone, it, it really lets you, you know, it, put, it, it lets you put your best defenders where they're most effective and lets you kind of hide your your weaker defenders, depending on right. what zone you play. Because Miami's 2-3, they put, you know, Duncan Robinson and Hero, those guys are on the corners. So they have less responsibility. You know, they're not involved in the switches for the most part. Um so that you know, there you, you can kind of hide them a little bit. Whereas you have like you know Jay Crowder and Jimmy up top, and then Bam in the middle. Like you know, it, it works really well for them. Um, and then you can do kind of a similar thing. Like you, you put AD where you want him. You put so you, you don't have to worry about chasing guys around. You know, you, you're you, this is your zone. This is what you you're you're able to do. And I think that helped them for sure. That was huge. Um, you know, it was able to disrupt, like you were saying, disrupt what the Nuggets did. And with their length, it really helps them if they know like this is my area. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get my hands on the balls in this area. You know I'm gonna get these deflections, um, and that's that was that really turned the game for a while. Getting all those deflections, getting those steals, turnovers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. So we'll see what adjustments Vogel makes because uh, that's gonna be key. Um, yeah. Series is two one. Do you think uh, LeBron has the foresight to lose Game Four because you really don't want to go up three one on these Nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it might be the best strategy, honestly. Yeah. It might be. I think I think LeBron's in the uh, in the camp of I want as few games as possible. Because yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm you know all the threes but... he's taken, he's looking tired. He is looking kind of tired. Um, I will last point. I'll get in here. I know nobody wants to talk about the Revs and how I think the Lakers are getting jabbed <laughs> by them, but whatever. Um, but LeBron James only took two free throws in this one, and I think that's mm-hmm. uh, a travesty. I mean, yeah. as much as he was settling, he did only take four threes, and he yeah. went to the basket a lot, in, especially in the first half. Yeah. He got two free throws. I, I don't know how that happens. The dude is the most physical driver ever. People are hanging on him every single drive. How does he get only two free throws? I mean, Jeremy Grant got 12. Yeah. What he, the heck? He gets reft like Shaq yeah. used to get reft. He just doesn't he does. get any benefit of the doubt. And now I realize it, like him being on my team. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Yeah. Maybe so. What do you think, Jerome, as an outside observer? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely like, because he's just so big that it doesn't look like, like when he can absorb contact so well, it's like, oh, that didn't seem to affect him. I guess he didn't get fouled. I think it's just kind of the, the shack effect, like uh, like Jake was saying, um, where it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to ref a guy like that because I think they they have to kind of be a little bit reactionary and see like what what the foul actually did, what the contact actually did. Um, 
because otherwise you're just going to end up calling ticky tack all the time. Like, cause there's always contact on every play. It's like, uh, in the NFL, they, the, the classic thing is, you know, there's holding on every play. It just depends on how, how much, how much, when, where, what, what's the line you're going to call. Yeah. Well, I think the line is LeBron only getting two free throws. Is done. So that's my line. Um, <laughs> Take that for data. All right. Well, let's move on for this game. We got uh, some other stuff to talk about. And uh, actually, before we move on, do you guys have any comments going forward in game four? I personally think game four is pretty pivotal. Oh, I yeah. think if the Lakers, despite my earlier comments, I think if the Lakers let the Nuggets back into the series at 2-2, um, that's horrible for the Lakers. I think yeah. that's a momentum sh- shifter, yeah. you know. Um, so I think this is pivotal for, for both teams, obviously. But yeah. I think for the Lakers, it's in a surprising way that people maybe don't realize. So I I call that the Lakers will win 116-108 to 108, uh, in game four. So what do you guys think? Um, I, th- I think they're all right because, you know, a lot of times in the playoffs, you s- the defensive scheme is make someone, make someone else beat you, you know, don't let the, don't let their main guys beat you, make someone else beat you. And then that just happened today. Like Jeremy Grant kind of beat them. Um, and he's not going to, it's not like he's going to all of a sudden start averaging 20 points a game. Um, so I think, I think they're all right. It depends on, and, and you know, they're doing decently enough as much as you can on a guy like Murray on a guy like Jokic. Um, and like, like we were talking about, like they are still neutralizing their two guys in terms of scoring. Um, it's just going to have to be a little bit more from, from the three, four, five, like the da- Danny green's got to get hot. He, uh, you know, guys like that, they, they got to get going and they do have more, I think. Um, but yeah, if it's two, two, I don't know. That's, that's uh, they really don't want to let it get to two two against against this team. I think I think game three was maybe the most important game. I mean, with a team like this that's been so dangerous, you need to destroy them and not let them have any breathing room. But it's too late for that. It's a series. Uh, the Lakers need to set the tone. I, I put the weight on LeBron and AD. I mean, LeBron. They both objectively played well last game, uh, but. That's the crazy thing about these guys is we ask even more of them than a triple double and, you know, 28 points or whatever. So I think it's up to them to just bury the nuggets, get a blowout win, set the tone from the start and uh, start looking forward to the next round. I don't think it's too much to ask for more than two rebounds from AD though. That's very true. Yeah. But that comes with getting stops as well. That's true. That's true. Which was not happening. All right. Sounds good. I like your guys' thoughts. Um, let's move on. Uh, in other news, you like the news music, yeah. Um, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of the ESPN, the Chicago Bulls have hired former Oklahoma City Thunder coach Billy Donovan as their new head coach. The team announced on Thursday. So I ask you guys, is this news or not? Nah? I mean, obviously I mean, it's news. But- <laughs> you can, yeah, you gotta say it's news because it's something. But I'm just surprised because. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but that coaching vacancy has been open since the bubble started, maybe? I don't remember when when that was shooken up, but that's a long way to wait for a, a coach, especially when you have all this time to develop a strategy for where you want to take your team next season. So yeah, were they it is waiting for Billy Donovan? Was that their first choice? I, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, they 
they fired Boylan on August 14th, I think. So that was a long time ago. Um, over a month ago. So not not necessarily before the bubble started, though, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were just waiting. They knew other coaches would get fired from these uh, these playoff teams. So maybe they were waiting for, for Billy Donovan. Yeah, that's a good point, Jake. So they, I guess they got their guy, if you want to yeah. look at it from that perspective. Um, and I, I think Billy Donovan couldn't be a very good coach. I think he's been a little hamstrung by the circumstances around the Thunder in the last, what, four years at the helm, five years at the helm? Yeah. Um, like his first year was that that crazy year where they almost beat the the Warriors and they went up 3-1, I think, right? That was his first year, right? Um, um, yeah, that was his first year. Yeah, and then they, were up you know, that's right. they lose. Katie leaves the next year. He has to deal with Russell Westbrook as his guy yeah. for you know just doing everything, anything he wants for the next two years. Um, and then Paul George comes in and you have that experiment and you have to deal with horrible playoff George. Um, so that sucks for him. And then Paul George jettisons his way out after signing a contract, um, forces his way to the Clippers, and he has to deal with a whole new team with Chris Paul at the helm, who's not necessarily the easiest guy to get along with. Um, yeah, I mean, this is like a it's a tumultuous tenure for a head coach, right? And so I would like to see him with a team of his own, like the Bulls, where he can just start from scratch, have all these young guys, and develop them in the way that he wants. I mean, he was a former college coach, right? So he's used to working with younger guys. So I think this might be good for him. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I mean, I just don't really know what direction the bulls want to go with. Like, do they think like, are they thinking like, this is a squad that like, we're good with our squad. Like, let's get a coach and like go forward with the pieces we have. Are they still like rebuilding? Um, cause honestly, I don't even know who's on the bulls besides Zach Levine. <laughs> That's all yeah, I know. Guys. They've got Wendell Carter and, uh, marketing and Dunn and Otto Poransky and they've got oh, Kobe white, right? Yeah. And Kobe yeah, white. Good. They've yeah. got a lot of pieces. They just okay. need more experience and they just need to be a better team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from, from the, I remember when they, when, uh, they finally fired Boylan. From the reaction, it seems like there's nowhere to go but up. So there's literally the no to the fans. Yeah, I think yeah. Boylan's idea was coaching was uh, we'll do suicides and push-ups all practice, and that'll make us better than the other team. Exactly. Which uh, I mean, that might work in middle school, but I don't think that works in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> you kind of got to have a strategy here. So <laughs> they get Galaxy Brain Boylan out, and they get Billy Donovan in, and I, it's certainly an upgrade for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. So that's that's good news. Yeah. Bulls are on the up and up. Can only go up from here. Uh, the next piece of news that I was thinking of that we should probably address is uh, Adam Silver's comments. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Adam Silver says his best guess is the next season won't start until 2021. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what do you guys think about that? That's, uh, I mean, we were thinking Christmas, which is basically 2021, right? Yeah. Will be when the next season started at earliest, but. Now he's saying 2021 probably. So well, you have to think because they're not going to do a bubble next time. So there's yeah. going to have to be a whole new set of precautions and where we're going to be at that point in time. And you have to have some sort of an off season, even though the people that weren't invited to the bubble are literally having like a almost a year of an off season, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But my opinion is they're going to have to. You're going to need to do like a lockout shortened season, right? Obviously. But what I think yeah. is maybe extend 
well, the I don't season think a little farther, maybe into July, and have a shorter off season for the 2020 season, 2022 season, uh, just to give you at least 60 games or so, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it's that obvious. I think you now have two choices. You can do what you said, shorten the season, uh, or you can extend it to basically where it ended up this year. I mean, maybe they're thinking that we really want to take advantage. We liked how we took advantage of that that blank space in sports, you know, where there's like there's nothing going on in, in the middle of the summer. However, and, so I, I do have something to say to that. Go the for Olympics it. got pushed back, and I think that's going to be that's going to be 2021 summer. Yeah. So how did that factor into this whole thing? That's a good so I think the NBA true. likes having their guys in the Olympics. Um, you know, it gets them out there because, well, do they? I don't know. Do, what? How does the NBA? How do you think the I don't NBA? Know kind of goes goes with the olympics I, I i go back and forth on that too because like if they go in the olympics then maybe they get hurt and they're yeah, not right obviously like crazy, what happened with pg right right yeah. and so maybe they don't like that but then yeah. again it's exposure on a worldwide scale so uh, i don't know man i don't know it's, it's so, tough i think that is definitely something that they have to take into account yeah um, for sure olympics but they'll probably also have to take into account that whatever they do this year affects going forward. So if yeah. they wanted to make a shift to a schedule that took advantage of this normally, you know, a non-Olympic year dead time that happens between the end of football and or and March Madness and the beginning of, say, baseball, right? Mm-hmm. If they want to, uh, you know, really take advantage of that time, which they kind of ended up doing this year because of quarantine, then they could just permanently shift the schedule. Um and I, I don't know. That's maybe not know. a horror. Yeah, that that's a little extreme. I think. I don't think they'd want to do anything permanent. Um, I don't know, man. I think I think Adam they Silver really. I think what like an innovator. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think what they'll do is I think they'll take a page out of um, the baseball handbook and just kind of shorten the season and, and try to keep the championship playoffs and stuff in the same time as normal. Um, I, th- I think that's what they'll do. Um, just. Just, just to try to get things back to normal, especially since, you know, these teams playing now that are almost definitely going to still be the teams next year. You know, they're still going to be pretty much the same teams going deep next year, barring major injuries. Um, if you give them back to back, like weird shortened off seasons and stuff, um, I think that's going to be a problem with the players. You know, the players association is going to have something to say about that. Yeah. If you, if you have short uh, back-to-back weird short and off seasons. So I think they're going to want to try to get back to normalcy in terms of scheduling. Um, but I'm saying that they wouldn't have weird shortened off seasons. They would permanently shift the schedule. So the off season is the same length. It yeah. would just be shifted three months or two months. Or I see what you're saying. Okay. Um, but I think they don't want to do that because they like the Christmas game and maybe you start Christmas game, but then that's, you yeah, know, that's lower quality. Um, you know, Chris, Christmas is almost like that. It's, it's like a quarter season test. And I think they like having it like that. Like it's, it's really like a quarter season showcase. Yeah. Where if you, if you have it as opening day, um, you know, it's a little bit, the quality will definitely not be the same as, as, you know, um, a classic, a classic Christmas. Um, For sure. I mean, as basketball fans, I would, I'm with you guys. I would like the schedule to yeah. have some semblance of normalcy. Right. Yeah. But if I'm Adam Silver and I'm thinking like I can try and take advantage of this dead space, we have the fallout in China going on. I have to think about our revenue. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to think going forward how we can not maybe necessarily directly compete with all the other sports, but try and take advantage of the dead zones. Then maybe he has this in his mind. Yeah. Maybe this is part of his plan and why he's shoving it back to 2021. 20, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he, an, he must have started. Another player angle that might, you know, that might play a factor is these guys already don't really get to see their kids that much. Yeah. Their off season kind of plays with with kid with the school year too, like that. Yeah, it does. You know that the that is the main argument. Yeah. So I I really don't think they're going to do anything to permanently change it because I think that works really well. I think they like the players like where the off the, the typical off season is. Yeah. As it is. That's true. They they probably do. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. we will see. Yeah. Adam Silver leads us to the promised land. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. He's he's previously said in this article the uh, Woj stated that Silver previously said that roughly forty percent of the league's once projected eight billion dollar in revenue is tied to having fans in the arenas. So it's yeah. it's revenue generated. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily from ticket sales, but from everything associated with that. You know, um, people going and buying merchandise, people Mer- going yeah, and that's buying food and concession stands, like just out yeah, the door right now. Yeah. All that stuff. So it'll be interesting. The world will be a different place. That's why baseball is having the, uh, the they're, they're they're doing a bubble for the playoffs, and the World Series is going to be in in uh, a bubble in Texas because Texas will allow fans uh, to a certain ex- expense, uh, extent in the in the stands. Yeah, yeah, and the coronavirus implications are what uh, Silver stated and cited in, in in this release, right? So he he talked about why the earliest that we would start is Christmas, but mm-hmm. reflected that as more coronavirus related information comes available, he believes the league will be better off starting in January, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. You know, maybe yeah. he just wants to delay it as long as possible so that he can get as normal of a season going. Maybe he's yeah. really especially with a... the uh, yeah, exactly, especially with kind of some of the projections about it getting worse, especially in, you know, Northeast in the winter when everyone's kind of forced indoors. Right. Um, so they just want to be really careful with that. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, we've got uh, one more topic uh, on the agenda. We can do the, where's that guy segment. Finally, we can get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's we can do it. do it. You guys want to do it? Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do it. All Stop right. talking like that. And let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> So for our listeners, uh, we thought we'd go into sort of a segment where we just kind of talk about guys that have weirdly disappeared from the league, guys that we think could still somehow make an impact, and we just don't know where they went, you know, where, where they disappeared to and, and why they're gone from the league, and we have no idea. So uh, do, do anyone – well, we kind of started with uh, Jerome bringing up yeah, Aaron Aflalo, Aaron right? Aflalo, so, yeah. So I guess we can start there. So, yeah, it was just really interesting because I was, I was just, you know, happened to see an article about, like, uh, somewhat like people trying to buy the the Minnesota Timberwolves, and it was like, you know, ownership group uh, or like bidding group uh, led by Aaron Aflalo. I was like, what is he going to be like an uh, a player owner? Like, what what does that mean? Aaron Aflalo is leading that group, and that's why he wasn't even in the league. Wait, <laughs> <I was like, laughs> what? He's not in the league. He's not even that old. He's thirty four, and he's, he's been really out of the league for two years. You know, and he's you know a good a good three point shooter on the on his career thirty eight percent. It just seemed he just seemed like a guy that would be you know continue to be effective later into his career, but mm-hmm. he's just, he's just gone. It's just so weird to me. He really did, man. I, he was he had a couple seasons where he was raising his floor to like I don't know, like like genuinely good player, maybe not all star level, but like you know maybe sub borderline of all star level, right? Where where mm-hmm. you know yeah. I think what did he. What was his? Uh, I don't have his stats pulled up, but what was his, his highest scoring? I feel like he scored eighteen a game one year. Uh, Aaron uh, Where the points go? Uh, yep, eighteen with Orlando. 
13, 14. That was his age 28 season. Yeah. And that was his high so point, like, and then it kind of went down from there. Yeah, it kind of went down from there, and he became more and more of the role player. But, like, yeah. the dude could score at one point, like, you know, and he could shoot. Like you said, career 38% shooter from three. And, like, yeah, I don't know where he went. Uh, that's it, very strange. 32 is not that old anymore, right? You yeah. see guys hang on way past that. Yeah. So it's uh, it wasn't it, it must have been an injury thing it must have um, been but i don't remember i don't remember i don't remember that though yeah to, to end that that streak it's it's very odd because um, he did start getting because he used to be a, a strictly a starter it might be like he just didn't want like the role change where he started to come more off the bench and he just didn't like it like a ai kind of situation because ai could have hung around for a while if, if he right, accepted right. the role change um but he just didn't but, like it guess but with him he was always kind of a role player so i don't know how that would but at least he was a starting role player though he was a starting role player like a jeremy grant rather Very than true. you know guy coming off the bench who knows? who knows who knows who i don't know i'm in an opposite camp the last thing i heard about aaron Ofalo was in that kendrick lamar song so i kind of actually forgot about him um, <laughs> i imagine him as a, a late 2000s early 2010s player for some reason i imagined him like way older than he is uh, but I agree. He it, it is kind of surprising just his fit in the modern NBA. But what you have to think about is there's only 400 something spots, right? Something like that in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just shows you how hard it is to be yeah. with these guys. It's it's very true. very true. With all the rookies coming in and the game changing and shifting, there's a lot of guys that aren't in the league that are certainly talented enough. It's just it's it's a matter of spots. It yeah. is a matter of spots. You're right. And yeah, maybe teams just didn't show enough interest and he thought, yeah, well, let's just call it a day. That's for sure could happen. And you know, some of these guys just retire early. You know, that that's not un, unheard of. Some of these guys yeah. just are like, yeah, I'm just done. I don't really feel the grind anymore. I don't like it. Um, I want to own a team instead of playing for I want to own a team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So another guy I wanted to bring up that had even higher highs, Tyreek Evans. I think you mentioned him, Jake. Um Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it was you, Jerome. But Terry Evans kind of gone. He didn't play this year. Um, and yeah, I mean, former rookie of the year. You don't generally see that. I mean, I guess we had Michael Carter Williams too. Their cases are extremely weird. Where you have a guy yeah. have a, an amazing rookie season, and that's the height he. That's his peak, and it's all down. It's very yeah. strange to it's, see it's, that. It's yeah. a weird case study. It is weird. And those two guys have very similar yeah, trajectories like that. I mean, Tyreek was obviously a much better player. Um, and the class that came in with Michael Carter-Williams was was weak. And that's why yeah. he faded out, really. Um, or why he stood out in the first place, I guess. But, yeah, it's just strange. I mean, Tyreek is a good player. He's averaged 15.7 points per game in his career. Five assists, almost five boards, 44% from the field, only 32% from three. But... I don't know. Like it's 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 very odd that a guy that that's you that's that useful just couldn't stick around. I mean, he had a little bit of a resurgence with uh, shoot, was it the Pacers with Memphis? Memphis, Memphis yeah, right? Memphis. He, he averaged nineteen a game with Memphis that season, seventeen yeah. eighteen. He um, had a huge resurgence when they when they. I think Conley was injured, right? And that's why they needed him so much. Was yeah, that, shot forty percent so, from three that year on five a yeah. game. Yeah. And then the next year you played with the Pacers and kind of disappointed, I Dropped guess. Dropped back down, yeah. Ten, 10 points, yeah. 10 points on not necessarily great shooting. <laughs> ten, 10 fewer minutes, too. 
So there's 10 that. fewer minutes, but he only shot 39% yeah. from the field. Yeah. Not, not great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so maybe I don't know. I really, honestly, haven't paid that much attention to Tyreek Hill or Tyreek Tyreek Hill, oh Tyree my God. Hill. Tyreek Evans over the years. Um, so I, I don't know. That, maybe he was just a bad teammate. I don't know. Maybe he was bad. Also, you know, that just might be that might be the answer right there. You, you know, you just said it. You didn't pay much attention to him. I think because he was playing on Sacramento. I think For people a while, yeah. like that first that first year, people just didn't scout him because they didn't care. But then he has holes in his game, and then you're like, okay, this guy won Rookie of the Year, now he's on the radar. And then when they go to play Sacramento, they start, they're like, okay, how do we stop this? Like, how do we limit this guy? And then the holes became apparent, and then it just kind of fell apart from there. It just, it just might be that kind of a, a deal where once you have enough video, once there's reason to scout someone, your your flaws become become obvious. Yeah, that, and I think the way the game is shifting. People yep. aren't his his type of player isn't in high demand. No one really yeah. needs uh, a big playmaking guard, a big scoring guard uh, who can't really shoot threes in an effective clip. Um, yeah, that's not what they're looking for. Most teams, the Lakers might benefit yeah. from them. Teams like that, but <laughs> there's a lot of teams that just want shooters. Yeah, I completely forgot that he spent three and a half years on the Pelicans. I I had no idea. I, I don't remember know. that the most. That was when I thought. Yeah. The best. Oh, I forget. Yeah, I remember the Sacramento and I remember the Memphis spurt all yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, he, had, he just he, disappeared between those for me. He he did pretty well alongside like AD and I think they already had uh Drew Holiday, right? Yeah. They had like those two big guards going. Yeah, he was playing at the small forward at that point. Small forward, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean like, he kind of learned how to shoot threes later in his career. He did. Like yeah, from from 2015-16 on, here are his three-point percentages per year. Like 38.8%, 35.6%, 30%. Okay, that's a bad year. But then 43.8%. Um, oh, wait, sorry. Sorry, those are two different stints in the same year. That year yeah. combined was 35%. And then 39.9% and 35.6%. So, like, he became a decent three-point shooter the last, I don't know, five yeah. years of his career. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's very strange. It's odd. Maybe he did something off court that we just don't know about. and He's been blackballed yeah. for some reason. Another guy I wanted to mention that maybe no one really cares about, and I, I don't know why I thought of him, but Chris Copeland. And I think oh, I, I thought of him because I know you care about it, Jerome. Because the, the I Knicks think we, legend. Yeah, it was when we were roommates. We saw yeah. like him just have that crazy spurt out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, on that one random next year, which I guess was his rookie season. Yeah. When, when Carmelo I have was no out, idea right? who Chris Copeland is, so I'll let you guys take this one. <laughs> so Chris Copeland has played four years in the NBA. <laughs> so it does not surprising that you uh, yeah. and his last year played was 2015-16. So it's not surprising that you don't remember who he was. <laughs> but uh, in 2012-2013, he played on the Knicks and uh, Carmelo got injured, like Jerome said, and he took over basically all the forward minutes and just dominated. It like, was he went sanity. off for like it was insane. Yeah, it, it was. It was Cope Sanity. Um, and he went off for like 20 points a game on like yeah. really good shooting for like this, I don't know, 18 game stretch, 25 yeah. game stretch, something like that. Um, yeah, he scored 33 um, in the final game of the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just, just kind of weird. Kind of it was like, hey, like maybe we have something here. Maybe we have something here. And I guess that happens all the time to guys, right? Yeah. But. I don't know. It stuck out to me because I thought he showed like a really good ability to get to the hole. You know, he showed like some, he could, shoot it. he could shoot it. Like I thought he showed a lot of good stuff and it wasn't just spurty, yeah. but uh, apparently not. <laughs> because, uh, 
yeah, he didn't stick with the team after that and was shortly out of the league three years later. So <laughs> yeah, maybe I was just crazy. You know, maybe, maybe I was. Yeah. Cause that last, uh, let's see like that last, I don't know, maybe 15 games. Like he, he had 22 and then he had like a down stretch and then Carmelo really was out and he went 13 points, 17 points, 14, 12, 20, 32 and 33 points to end the season. So like, I don't know. He went on a little bit of a tear there. Maybe I remember it even more. I thought he was going for 20 plus every night, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Chris Coulter. It was probably because I was hyping him up. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Fool's gold. Just a little bit of fool's gold. For sure. Was that the playoff year? I don't remember. I don't even know. I don't even care. <laughs> I feel like it was. Uh, whatever. Yeah. So uh, Chris Copeland gone from the league. I don't know. Maybe he had too big of an attitude and he just never. Yeah. That's what I actually heard. I think when, when Indiana took him is that like, he just thought he was the uh, okay. and nobody else was, they were like, nah, dude, like, you know, you had that, like four good that games. Might be, that might be the Europe, uh, the Europe effect where you go play overseas and you are, you are the best guy. You know, you you see these guys like Jimmer average like fifty in the in the, right. in the Chinese basketball league. Like and you come back, he's like I can do that here, and but you can't. You really you can't. can't. No, you can't. You shouldn't <laughs> think that you can. It's a completely different league. Um, yeah. So I guess we have to talk about Jeremy Lin now that we talked about the the other Nick guy. Um, oh yeah, Lin, the Lin, Lin sanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because what happened to Lin? He's gone too. He didn't play this year for any team. He's, he's, he's playing with like the, China, yeah, yeah. the Beijing. Ducks? I don't, I don't actually know which team he's played for there. Well, I think it's a similar thing that to Evans, where he, he, you just can't, you can't, you don't need a guy that can't shoot anymore. You know? Yeah, that's really the hard it. part. He was never a consistent three point shooter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he's not, you know, the greatest defensively either. Mm-hmm. Like he, he got a decent amount of steals, but he was never like a a, a guy that could really stand somebody up, right? Yeah, um, and he did have that devastating knee injury with Brooklyn. That was he bad, seemed too. like he was really playing well. Unfortunately, he, like that, he was shooting. He was. he was shooting really well. Actually, he was thirty-seven percent from three. Um, you know, fourteen and a half points a game, five assists. Like he was playing really well for Brooklyn. Then he had that. I think Pateller, uh, he tore Pateller tendon yeah. or something. It's, when the and kneecap shoots up, oh, gross. He came yeah. back for one game the next year, scored eighteen, and then was done again. Like, yeah. Oh God, yeah. That he got rough. a championship though, right? He yeah. did? Who was he did? Toronto. 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 I forgot. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Played 23 games for them. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe next year Jeremy Lin comes back into yeah. the league. I'd like to see that. I, I think I think a team could use a backup guard like him. I know that there's not a lot of room in the league for non-shooting guards, but I don't know. I think a team desperate for playmaking could insert him and get some good yeah. minutes. A la, like Rondo. Like he is trying to Rondo come back. Right now. So, you know, I'd like to see him back in the league. But yeah, yeah. Lynn Sanity. I don't think anybody will ever forget that. It's, no. a, it's a great moment in history. Well, I like this segment. And I think there's a way to improve it later on to, to get more guys. And that's to go to 2K and look at the free agents tab where you have all the players that are free agents <laughs> and they're still in the game. You'll find some interesting that's ones. Good, there. Yeah. yeah, You'll find some interesting ones for sure. You're right. Yeah. You're like, that point. dude's in the league? That dude, what about <laughs> this guy? not in the league? Guy? Yeah. Well, uh, before we just you know start going down too far down the rabbit hole, I think I'll call it here. Um, All right. I mean, we could what about this guy for days, right? Honestly, yeah. but uh, let's call it here for the viewers' sake, listeners' sake, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, sounds good. Single listener's sake, the one listener out there. Um, <laughs> Hi, mom. Yeah, we'll call it here, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll just call it a day, and we'll reconvene on Friday. Sound good, to you guys? 
Yep. All right. Uh, that's it for me. What? Any last words of wisdom? Oh, you already know. Get a boo. Get a boo. Nice. I don't have a score, but I think the Celtics are going to win today. I think the Celtics. Ooh, yeah, yeah we didn't talk about They're going to tie it up. It's a good prediction. I'm going Heat, though. I'm confident. I think Jimmy's angry. I think he's pissed that they gave up that game. So uh, I'm calling for a big Jimmy game. I'm going for 35 plus from Jimmy. Okay, I like it. I like it. Um, all right. Well, words of wisdom from Jake and Jerome in different ways. And uh, peace from me. We'll see you in the next one.